Hi, I'm Johnny Pollard and welcome to the One Giant Mind podcast, where we cultivate greater insight and artfulness to our ever-evolving humanity. I talk with everyday people dealing with everyday challenges using timeless wisdom and knowledge through the lens of a regular meditation practice. In this podcast, we explore the nuances of the ever-increasing demand to change and how we can meet our condition and transmute it so that we can reveal ever more deeply our true nature. Uh, So I have a question for you, Johnny. It's about the rise of technology at the moment and how, you know, I feel compelled to be part of it, but I also am disgusted by its direction. And I'm just wondering about your thoughts. You're disgusted by the direction of it? Yeah, because I see it, it's probably so far removed from our nature and I see it as a huge threat. You see it as a huge threat to what exactly? I think around our evolution Mm -hmm. and our growth and development, I see it um, drawing us away from our true direction. Yeah. We're in total agreement. Yep. Yep. Technology itself is wonderful, right? We can all agree on that. It affords us a lot of extra time to invest in things that are more creative, that yield, you know, really wonderful outcomes. And then technology also uh, plays to a part of our psyche that is troubling, which is that we can be inherently lazy, avoidant, ignorant, in denial, desiring instant gratification. We'll go as far as selling ourselves out in order to get that gratification. Gratification leading into security, wanting to feel safe and secure, and wanting to outsource that so that we didn't really need to have to confront our own sense of inadequacy in generating security from within ourselves. So we, we have this tendency in our psyche to, to be all of those things. And as we advance technologically, what we tend to do is to frame the advancement of technology through that side of our psyche. How can our technology help us with this? I don't really want to do this. I don't really want to do that. I don't really want to do this. I don't really want to do that. How can we get technology to help us? There are a lot of people avoiding doing things that are really important for the species evolution to do, such as come to terms with our responsibility of belonging to the whole planet We don't really want to look at that in any meaningful way that might upset or challenge the comfort that we have right now or or bring into question what I've been doing or my need to feel secure by keeping my business going that may not necessarily be such a good thing long term. I mean, there are are lots lots of different angles in which we could look at this and so we condone 
are the development of certain technology that promises to not question these things, not bring into question these things, such as my desire to want to continue acquiring without consideration of where I'm getting everything I'm acquiring from and at what cost of others, the environment, and to keep on carrying on without addressing very important things that need to be addressed. And these issues are compounding. In this day and age, we are getting to a point of like a critical mass of issues. I think every aspect of our society across the world is in crisis. Every. Like, can somebody point out any aspect of our society that is not currently in crisis? I'm very open and interested to hear if anybody's got it. I'm yet to find one. Every single aspect is in a crisis. And a crisis is the way we've been operating is no longer sustainable. We either have to make a change prospectively now and do it deliberately and consciously and creatively or watch the demise of our system crumble into a mess and have to go through a very big reactive process of recovery and reinvent some new way reactively. That's a crisis, right? Every single thing that we are engaged in right now seems to be at a point of total unsustainability. And there is so much of that that we refuse to look at. And what we're trying to throw at our global challenges is technology that would somehow miraculously make us humans better or different that we would somehow change in some meaningful way that would stop these things happening anymore. The proposition of fusing, you know, human brain matter with microchips to increase computing power to enable us to more efficiently interface with the internet. I, I, I fail to see how that, that, that necessarily is going to make us better humans in terms of aligning our values, having greater compassion and tolerance and patience and reverence for, for life. If anything, it could exacerbate these qualities of greed and wanting to cut corners, wanting instant gratification, wanting more power now, more capability now at any cost. Yeah. So I'm with you in, in the, in the concerned camp. Mm. I don't think that we are ready to be messing with, merging technology with our biology. I think that we'll only ever be ready once we've demonstrated to ourselves that we can truly care for one another and the planet and live sustainably as naturally biological creatures. And until then, any amplification of what we are now is just that an amplification of what we are now. And at the moment, our destructive tendencies and our tendencies to ignore, deny, and want instant gratification and have shortcuts, it's at the forefront of the way we operate. And, you know, all that's going to do is, in my opinion, expediate our demise. Mm. 
It's going to expedite the destruction. That all feels great, doesn't it? Mm. <laughs> well, I suppose it's also, um, uh, you know, just recently I've sort of taken note of, um, you know, the, the shift of wealth into, you know, these technology, you know, businesses, um, particularly around social media and, and advertising and ways of getting to mass populations. Um, and And, of course, you know, with the money comes more power mm-hmm. um, and just um, how much, how rapidly things are changing around that, um, around that arena and the ability for those power-hungry messages of control to reach the masses mm. is, is occurring. Um, yeah, that is also confronting. Mm. And technology plays a massive role in that. Yeah. I mean, but this was always on the cards. The nature of capitalism is that, you know, it's a free market and anybody can, you know, get out there and make money. And invariably, you know, someone's going to be better at that than others. And then someone's going to get really, really, really good at that so good that they can afford to buy up anyone who's competition. And so the gap between them and competition becomes so great that there is no competition. (laughs) They own everything. So capitalism actually is a game that has an end game, like someone wins in the capitalist game. And it appears that they're aware of the fact that the game's almost over because there is obviously a winner or several winners, right? And they're all getting together and going, hey, look, the game's about to end. One of us is going to have to win here. Why don't we all agree that we stop rolling the dice now and just come up with a whole new game? That's what's happening. But the version of that game is that they are the lords of the board. These individuals are not going to go, let's, okay, let's give all the money back like you do in Monopoly. We put it back in the bank, we start fresh. That's not going to happen. Um, So we've got the lords of the game presiding over the whole thing. And they're introducing a whole new board game that they've been thinking up that involves technology and all of this stuff that, you know, for the average person might be like, wow, the future is here. And without really understanding the implications of what it is that we're potentially signing ourselves up for. And I think that most people that are self-reflective and are taking time to consider what's really going on in the world has a pretty clear signal that "Mm, something's not right here. And it's going to be fascinating to watch the extent to which people do actually pull focus on the reality of what's going on and how we collectively respond. I, I, d- I don't know how it's going to roll out, to be honest with you, but I think having conversations about it in, a, in, in this, this way, mm. where we're not sort of slandering and you know, allowing our you know, disdain and outrage to pollute our deeper sensibility of knowingness that we're in a procession of transformation and 
this is just what it looks like. Something really wonderful is going to come out of all of this. I'm certain of it. It's just nature won't support it going on for much longer if it's if it tries to strain and and imprison human consciousness that is rapidly expanding and 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 becoming liberated it it just can't happen so it's going to be a fascinating period of time to see what happens and will a, a critical mass of humans wake up and all get on board with a perspective? It seems unlikely to me. I think we'll wake up, but we'll see it in very unique ways. Yeah, I think it's going to be a, a pretty extraordinary journey to arrive at what will be perceived as a unity point for the species. It's, it's going to be one heck of a journey. A complex journey that'll be a very powerful catalyst for all of our evolution and it might not be very comfortable for a while that's what I'm sensing but we flourish spiritually in discomfort and we need to we need to flourish spiritually so it's not such a bad thing remove of all our distractions of pleasure and comfort and what we are is game on when we're uncomfortable and we're awake it's game on right and so if uncomfortable but awake is what it takes then that's what nature will deliver i'm certainly open to hearing another perspective on it so nico just threw in um is the call to action to give our attention to being as expansive as we can as opposed to giving energy to our frustration and reaction to all the things that seem to be working against us and the answer to that is yes we want to always give attention to the ever-expanding capacity to be with what is to accept what is but not in reaction to what's going on but because that's our nature to simply be here and accept what is. It's not as opposed to, that is our baseline. And then to be aware of where you are being frustrated and not beating yourself up about that. And from that place of expansive awareness, of acceptance of what is, seek to reconcile, find love for what's taking place that is otherwise causing you frustration. And it doesn't mean to disengage, to become passive. On the contrary, love creates energy within us to want to, to act, to move. You know, if we have to go into battle, we go into battle with a loving heart. There's no greater armor. Yeah, we do everything in the name of love and evolution and advancement not us and them we're transcending duality we're transcending that binary relationship that keeps us susceptible to being hoodwinked to being influenced in ways we don't want to be influenced does that make sense yeah 
as broad a field of awareness, as inclusive as possible. And you can have your opinions and your judgments and all of that's fine, but see them for what they are. And let your baseline always radiate through all the layers of your, perspe- your perception to ensure that you're, you're operating from acceptance and love. And that means I understand that what I am is intelligence, what the universe is is intelligence, that intelligence is the same thing, and it's orchestrating everything here, and all I need to do is pay attention to how I can be of service to drive the force of evolution forward. How we can move through this trough of destruction as quickly as possible, to spare as much suffering as possible, to reduce as much suffering as possible, and that's, that's a lot to consider. We, that keeps us pretty busy. <laughs> keeps me pretty busy. Yeah. I find there's not a lot of time to sit and wallow or get uppity. Yeah. Yeah, so I think the first time that we talked about the technology, Matt was kind of playing devil's advocate like maybe the purpose is for technology to to take over the world. And I think about this because I listen to Joe Rogan, who's the biggest podcast in the world, and he's broadcasting his ideas to the masses. And that obviously has an impact on the collective consciousness as well. And one of his key kind of things that he goes over is maybe that the humans are just like a physical caterpillar um, giving birth to the butterfly of technology, which is probably more like I feel more of a dangerous idea than a than a positive one, especially if where the you know what happens to the caterpillar <laughs> at the end of the uh, transformation. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It, again, you know, he says it's it's a possibility, and a possibility that would become a probability dependent on the expectation of the souls involved. Mm -hmm. And my position is that we, we haven't yet come to understand who we are as human beings. And in order to, to advance in some direction, like fusing non-biological technology into our biology for enhancement, it's a, it's a very risky exercise when we don't understand what has to date caused us to be arguably relatively unsuccessful in fulfilling the design. And we need to be far more curious about that collectively. And why are we not going back to what I was saying? We have a tendency to want to just instant gratification, shortcuts. Let's not do the hard work. I kind of want the, want the payoff without the, without the, the hard work. And anybody who's done deep inner work knows that it is hard work, but the payoff is extraordinary. You get an unwavering sense of who you are, and there's no greater gift in this life, no greater experience to have an unwavering sense of who you are despite what, everything that's happening around you is chaotic falling apart perhaps, staying stable, 
clear and understanding a creative path to take through it that will invariably cause an elevation of the whole situation. This is immensely powerful capability of which we have a lot of work collectively to do mm. to get to that point. And we are required to do that. We are required to understand how to coexist harmoniously. I believe in the depth of my being that if we do not learn how to do this before we advance technologically in the way that it's being proposed, it's, it's not going to end well. So you're talking like doing the work as in like on a spiritual level, making the unconscious conscious, like bringing up the, the shadow stuff that needs to be processed. Yeah. The sub, the subconscious um, dimensions that are governing human behavior need to be exposed. Mm -hmm. We need to look at what has been driving us, confront our pain and disappointment with our experience to date and reaffirm that it is only us as individuals that can take full responsibility for the experience that we're having. And if I can take full responsibility while honoring everyone else around me, attempting to do the same, we will create something quite remarkable, something different. Now, the likelihood of that happening seems low at the moment. Mm. And the, the rate in which we are accelerating towards this fusion of technology and human consciousness it seems that we are, we're going to go through this experiment. And for those of us that are awake and aware, that have a sense that, mm, no, this doesn't feel right, I would encourage you to just keep advancing the biological hardware, the nervous system and the brain. Keep advancing it by expanding consciousness, by laundering the, the, the pain and trauma that we've been carrying free the, the design, liberate the design so that it can be conducive to higher frequencies of, of energy and greater complexity of experience, become increasingly more embodied in this higher state. So at the very least, there is a contingent of humanity that has done this and is doing this actively, while another part of the species is experimenting with this other stuff because obviously it, after not very long into the process of integrating with machines, the machines are going to be way smarter and take over the process. It's more than likely. Yeah. They're going to, they're going to have greater capacity to dominate resources. And that, and that consciousness state of that as a, in the collective would be like the shadow of the collective yeah it seems well the, 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 this is the big conversation in all of the whole ai movement is is ai going to be benevolent is ai going to see humanity as a threat or as an alliance yeah if it did the math as a cold calculation right now, it probably wouldn't see it as us as very relevant. We, they say we wouldn't last more than 48 hours <laughs> right. after it's come online. It'd go, right. It'd come up with a very effective way mm. of wiping us out. Boom. Mm. Um, or maybe keeping some as a part of its like experiment like we do with chimps in a lab. Mm. 
and would poke and prod just to determine, you know, whether there's any use long term or, but, yeah. And for that reason alone, the risk of that occurring is a far greater risk than I'm willing to take, particularly understanding the potentiality of, of our humanity, which is extraordinary. And what we are capable of relative to any technological advancement, it's just so far beyond it. You look into the, the history books of the great seers, the great rishis, and the illustrious states of consciousness they attained, and what their capabilities were, what they were cognizing, what they were sharing as what humans are capable of, is stuff of fantasy books. But it's real. And it's just that that, as an aspiration, has not been promoted for whatever reason. We don't, we don't think of it as something to aspire to, to get enlightened. And we, we need to shift that narrative as quickly as possible. That it's not only your birthright, but a social responsibility. Enlightenment is a social responsibility. And we need as many human beings advancing into these higher states as quickly as possible if only to stop a tipping into some calamity because just the coherence of high states of consciousness can avert a calamity balance it out a bit balance it out correct yeah cool and if we can avert annihilation that'll be a good victory (laughs) yeah yeah for the time being in this particular age yeah Mm. that 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 would be a great outcome to avert annihilation to create a greater amount of runway because we're running out of runway and it's like "Mm, this plane ain't gonna take off it's just gonna go (laughs) we need more runway to work out how to generate the power to get lift off Mm. And I, you know, I think that all of our efforts in moving into higher states of consciousness are going to go a long way in generating more time for us to work this out. Mm. We have more living, breathing examples of people in higher states of consciousness. People go, oh, wow, that's really cool. Well, yeah, no, I'm, I, that order for the microchip, yeah, no, but... I'm going to cancel that. I'm going to go over here for a minute. So what are you experiencing? You know, and yeah. it, it, it creates a, an intrigue because I don't, I don't believe that anything that technology is offering is going to resolve human suffering, despair, being able to interface with the internet inside my mind without a device is not a, an appealing proposition whatsoever. You know, I'm already challenged with having a phone that I can put down and walk away from. Mm. You know, to have it on me, in me, all day, every day, is invariably going to make me forget who I am mm-hmm. and become completely identified with whatever it is that is on the display of my screen, of my eyes. 
and once it's in there, can I, can I take it out? And once I've got it in there, am I in charge of what I'm seeing on the screen? I mean, these are all things we need to be asking the questions of. Bags not being a part of that experiment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we're already experiencing that disconnection from self just from our sensory perception. Correct. And then we're going to experience that again within inter interfacing between the mind or the, in our mind directly. Correct. Yeah. It's only going to amplify all of the problems that we're currently experiencing. And it's fascinating to me that we aren't having greater discourse about this. We need to be talking about this because mm. it's calming. It's happening. Mm. You know, in a couple of years, our whole planet is going to be blanketed in 5G Wi-Fi with some 30 or 40,000 satellites mm. uh, flying, flying at a relatively low altitude um, through the Starlink program. And the idea is that, you know, there'll be a, a rapid adoption of a, a receiver of the internet through our brain to interface internally somehow. You know, they're talking about in the next sort of 10, 15 years. This is just around the corner. They're creating the nervous system of this AI thing. It's all happening. It's not like, oh, when it happens, it's like, it's happening. And we need to start having very real conversations about the implications of this mm. and, and knowing what it is our position is so that if we actually get the opportunity, if we get the opportunity to say whether we're, we're okay with this or not in some formal referendum or something, you know, at least you're clear about what your position is. I'm not telling you what to think here. I'm just sharing with what, you know, what I, what I feel about it, mm -hmm. what my concerns are. Um, but be really clear about what it is that you think and feel about this because it's coming. If we are bound to this inevitability of some kind of disastrous outcome from whether it be technology or war or anything like that, why, why are we bothering to um, do the work on ourselves if it's unavoidable? We don't do the work on ourselves based on an event occurring. We do work on ourselves because we are choiceless, because it's our nature to free ourselves of the bondage. We don't do what we do in the name of any one specific outcome. We're, we're not assigning our efforts to a particular outcome other than, loosely, may all beings be happy and free. And we, we go with the flow. What's going to happen is going to happen. And does that mean I should just go, all right, everybody, go home now. <laughs> I have nothing more to say. No. Why am I doing this? Because I, I don't know anything else to do. I feel compelled. Why do you do what you do? You feel compelled. You know, it is, and, and it's evidence of our nature. Our nature is expressive non-reactively. Our nature just expresses because that's its nature. We express love. We, we, we shine light into, into the, the darker crevices of our psyche, 
our collective psyche with the hope of learning and understanding something so that we can potentially avert an unnecessary amount of suffering. Yeah, th that's the simple answer there. With the hope that we might avert some unnecessary suffering, but if it happens, well, it was necessary. We accept that. But me doing what I'm doing and with the vigor and might that I'm doing it is not contingent on a particular outcome. I very rarely think of the future, to be honest with you. It's only when somebody asks me a question like that and I go, oh, yeah, that. Oh. <laughs> it feels... It feels like a nail biter. Um, because you just talked about the future and how you not looked that much ahead, but I'd be really interested to hear what you feel the world would look like if that magical thing would happen where we all tend to our heart and start to love ourselves, each other, integrate our shadow. Do you think duality would cease to exist and suffering would cease to exist i think that it would take it'd be like a really thick gas in the atmosphere that would take a long a, a while to subside mm. but the observation of it subsiding as a result of the efforts that everyone was doing would generate a kind of a momentum that it get more and more people on board and I think that it would be far from a utopian society because I, I know even in very conscious relationships, there are still arguments. It's still butt heads and, you know, so why should it be any different in the world? Mm -hmm. I, I, I have no vision of a kind of a, a utopian, peaceful society. I have a vision of a species beginning to be very honest with themselves and honest with each other and somehow the the vast majority has worked out a way to sustain power for the people and that the governments that are, represent, are representing the people are held accountable to that in a very rigorous way initially where everyone's erring on the side of mistrust but open to that happening and things changing and things getting done and people going oh wow we're addressing some very important things here and i see it being localized mm -hmm. I think the whole globalization thing will go back to, will break apart. And while there will be a network for the world to communicate with itself, it'll be a sharing of ideas rather than a dictatorship of this is the way the world's going and everybody needs to get on board. I think that there'll be micro communities and micro um, territories and they will govern themselves in accordance with the needs of their culture, environment, and their sensibility and the, the resources that are available to them. And they will form their own trade agreements and the world will be broken up into these beautiful individual and unique environments 
where we have this remarkable diversity again. Culture is becoming increasingly more homogenized, like everything, trying to homogenize everything. And the quickest way to make our world sick is homogenizing the natural environment. Same with human consciousness. You homogenize culture. We become limp and unwell. And what we need is that diversity again, individual expression for that to be nurtured and encouraged. I see that. I see really great shining examples of it working and then really terrible ones of it not. Invariably, the dictators are going to end up somewhere (laughs) and try and take over and do something. And yeah, so I see it as being quite a long journey of us working it out. If only we could have sufficient momentum to get into that tipping point where people wake up to their fundamental rights and their power to not be told what to do. It's absolute violation of our autonomy and soul sovereignty. Yeah. To be told what to do against their better judgment and their will. The sooner that people wake up to that, the better. And it doesn't mean that you have to be anti-establishment, anti-institution, anti-government, anti-fight the power, all of that. No, it's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is to be able to go within and make decisions for yourself based on your own experience and not feel pressured in any way to conform to social norms that don't reflect your own sensibility. For there to be a platform where you can freely communicate where you're at for the sake of representing a a perspective that is important. That is rapidly dying in our world, rapidly. And that's that's of great concern to our our capacity to establish what I'm talking about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that may be where we need to go. We may need to lose all of it Mm. and go into a a dystopia. We may. I don't know. I certainly hope not. I'm sure we'll all be fine. We'll have each other (laughs) when it happens and we'll be a pack of badasses in the way we navigate that space. <laughs> yeah. So that would be the antidote of AI then, in a way. Yeah. Or maybe there's it's a, a It's a vision. I mean, there's some really clever people that um, do modeling and statistics and, you know, they've incorporated some really inf- interesting data to create a, an image of what the world could be like in the absence of a couple of, elements certain laws and that it really excites me i don't i don't have any examples that i can cite right now off the top of my head um maybe we'll leave them in the show notes i've read some things of you know images of what the world might look like if this and this and this changed um and it all seems within our grasp it seems possible yeah we need to start envisaging anyway the world we want to live in rather than be in a state of 
outrage and fury about the world that seems to be encroaching that we might not necessarily want to live in. Put your attention on what you want, and that generally is the thing that grows. Put your attention on what you don't want, it's generally the thing that still grows. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you. So in terms of time and how long you know this form of technology has been around, mm. could it also be that this is just the flavour of the month in, in terms of the time scale and we're all just getting hyped up about something that's truly not even na- close to nature yeah and nature will prevail yeah yeah quietly i've got my fingers crossed behind my back for that one <laughs> yeah but i'm just seeing a lot of evidence of of our advancement yeah it's um you know they've already got driverless cars everywhere in the us that's like wow mm. like super responsive but I suppose, I suppose more the, the statement or the question is anything that we've created really to date, such as chemicals, nothing has ever really, you know, been promoting for humanity's, you know... Longevity. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, um, again, you know, we're sort of predicting AI takeover, but, um, you know, is it potentially destined for failure just because it's something again that we've we've created and it's so far removed from nature yeah i hope so yeah (laughs) that's just my personal i i hope so to the extent that you know that that some that some higher intelligence intervenes and really gives us an opportunity to fulfill our potential as biological beings first so we we get to have that experience and then, you know, experiment and explore with hybridizing for the purpose of just amplifying what is already good, if there is a need for it. Yeah. Yeah, I, it's, it seems as likely. Mm. And, you know, like I say, I, I, I don't think too much about the future because it's just, yeah, I just focus on now and how how best to respond now and how best to respond now is is a timeless response it's the same as we would in any other era or epoch with love with openness we're using the same foundational qualities that define our humanity now as we would in any other time and even into the future i certainly make no bets Mm. i'm not a gambling man in that department because anything could happen and we've i mean what we've seen in the last, even just the last 10 years, it's like, wow, that really just happened? We really, is that where we are? So it feels like anything's possible, right? Yeah. But to the extent that it, I can, I won't leave any of it to chance. To the effect that I can af- affect reality in the direction of what I feel is going to be the most rewarding experience for me, my family, my community, and humanity. I'm going to invest myself 100% into. Yeah. Mm. That's a great point you make. We'll learn a lot from it, that's for sure. (laughs) 
well, you know, when it when it plays out, it's like, oh wow, nature really will let us like jump off the cliff. Mm. I mean, you know, Hiroshima happened, Nagasaki happened. Mm. Like, there's so many things that have happened. It's like, oh wow, nature is really allowing us to learn the hard way. Mm. You know, like there's the countless things: mm. World War One, World War Two, like all of these, all of these things that have happened. It's like, okay. So it seems likely mm. <laughs> that it, it's going to be allowed to ha- happen. Mm. <laughs> well, I think we're also talking in, in response to, you know, humanity um, versus um, not just our species on the planet, but mm-hmm. every other living yep. organism on the planet. Yeah. You know, what will prevail. Mm. Um, and, um, and I guess, I guess, yeah, it's, it's um, probably, you know, important that, that you know, I acknowledge, um, you know, in terms of talking about nature, not just humanity. Exactly. Yeah. The whole thing. Mm. And nature itself sees everything as one whole thing. Mm. And we're part of that. Mm. Yeah. It's only us that see ourselves as separate. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And it's hard sometimes not to identify that. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. we've been so deeply indoctrinated into that. Yeah. And that's the core of the problem, is that we see ourselves separate. Mm. Why we are behaving like this is because we think we are separate and we have no awareness of the intelligence that comes with belonging to the whole thing. Mm. And that's why we, without conscience, are doing everything that we're doing and creating such a mess mm. of it all. How long will nature tolerate it? It's yet to be seen. But the Great Mother, she's very patient, it appears. And okay for us to learn the hard way if we need to. Thank you for taking some time to listen to the One Giant Mind podcast. And I hope you're getting a lot out of it. If you're somebody that hasn't yet got a regular meditation practice... One Giant Mind offers a couple of ways in which you can make that happen right now. You can go to onegiantmind.com and have a look at our teacher directory. We've got hundreds of teachers around the world teaching the One Giant Mind being technique, both in person and online. And if for whatever reason you're unable to get to one of those courses, you could download our free Learn to Meditate app. It's called One Giant Mind. It's got a 12-step course that'll get you started. And if you're already a regular meditator, and feel deeply called to bring this beautiful practice into the world, we strongly encourage you to check out our One Giant Mind Teacher Training Academy. We train passionate meditators to become powerful leaders in their community, equipped with tools to empower others to know themselves very intimately. We teach a powerful process of how to run a meditation course and facilitate the building and growing of a community. And we would love to welcome you into our global family of teachers. A special thanks to our show producer, Daniel Tucker, a.k.a. Spiritual Trady, our music composer, the one and only Ali Liberman, and all of the One Giant Mind team.